to It's Not About the Bunny, a podcast about Twin Peaks. I'm Caroline. And I'm Brian. And we are here for our second part of the discussion of Season 2, Episode 9. It's a good one, so I hope you enjoy it. So let's rewind back to Mike. Mm -hmm. Get a great scene with Al Strobel, hamming it up in, in the way that he does the best. Yeah, and this is a poignant part of this episode for me is the fact that we won't see these guys anymore, really. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll all be new characters and new storylines and also some of the same old annoying crap. But it's a goodbye to Al Strobel for a while. It's a goodbye to Ray Wise. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this, uh, it, this was a poignant scene also because uh, Mike is... He's doing bad. Yeah, he's in a lot of pain. And there's uh, uh, some moral ambiguity that the writers keep pointing to without really exploring it. Mm-hmm. That there's uh, Cooper is being a little cruel to yeah to uh, stop to um, yeah to keep Mike from taking his medicine because mm-hmm. isn't Doc Hayward there? Doc he Hayward says, tells it to tells him to give it to him. Yeah, because he might die. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Cooper is holding his hand in a way that's very intimate and yes. uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. But so, and I don't know, Mike. We, we've talked. They keep going back to Mike, mm-hmm. and he doesn't really reveal that much. He says, "Vagina is real, basically." Right. He says that when he was working with Bob. Desire and satisfaction formed a golden circle, which is, I guess, a clue for the ring. Right. But does the ring have, does Cooper's ring have anything to do with Bob's desire and satisfaction? Or is Mike just, there's too many, uh, too many instances of characters just saying Mm -hmm. things in a coded way just to deliver a clue in a coded way. Right. Uh, I don't know. Or maybe it's some kind of synchronicity that rings are important and that Mm -hmm. creates a resonance in Cooper's mind. I don't know. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of that in this episode. I kind of don't like it, but maybe it's, maybe it's supposed to be nonlinear in some way. Well, I think that memory can work that way because what what actually happens isn't just that Cooper finds out the truth. He remembers it because yes. Lara already told him. Um, and so he just needs something to jar his memory. And that's what happens. Yeah, it's interesting. Maybe maybe it's not bad. Uh, because because think, they set it up yeah. like clunky clues mm-hmm. to decode. But then he doesn't actually decode anything. He just free associates. Yes, what happens both with Cooper and I think more subtly um, which is the more charitable way of saying a little underwritten with Donna is that they realize things they already knew. I think Donna already knew that Leland was a creep, that there was something terrible going on to Lara at home. She just couldn't believe it or wouldn't Mm -hmm. believe it. And um, yeah. And Cooper literally did learn who the killer was and he forgot, forgot. quote forgot. Yeah. Or yeah. Or he didn't want to believe it. Yeah, it, it's, 
Yeah, it's repressed information. Yeah, and he says that at the end of the episode, that that version of reality where a father rapes and murders his daughter, that's the one that is not comforting, that you don't want to believe. He'd yeah. rather believe in Bob. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable because it's not comforting. Yes. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess like now that we talk, we're talking it out, I do kind of like this idea that there's this sort of cultural programming yeah. that we all have. Um, you might call it, you know, schniff, schniff ideology. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, yeah, that, that we can't, that, so somehow the way to get through that isn't by a linear processing or decoding. Yeah. But we have to be kind of, um, uh, there has to be some kind of weird nonlinear neural path formed mm-hmm. around the edges or through seeming mundane, mundane details yes. that wakes us up. It's yeah. not like putting on the glasses and they live mm-hmm. where it's, it's, it's just like that from color to black and white. Yeah. It's somehow... It's gum. It's it's almost like deja vu or yeah. like uh, um, in in a communion that alien abduction story where owls. Mm-hmm. Interestingly, it's owls again. Yeah, are like screen memories or the way uh, forming and retaining and then reliving memories is affected by trauma, which yeah, I think exactly. is something that is conveyed really well in Firewalk with Me how just certain small events or sounds or smells or items can become kind of totemic in their significance, not because they have any special significance in and of themselves, but because they are so closely associated with something so traumatic that it can't be contemplated. Oh yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's stuff like the fan. Yeah. And the streetlight. We we know that those are important even before we know what they mean. It's the triggering of trauma. Yeah. Triggering mm-hmm. not as a buzzword, but as something that literally alters your immediately alters your mental state. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And uh-huh. it's it's a result of your brain protecting you from contemplating the things that are hurting you. Yes. And it's it's also this sort of like Philip K. Dick, you know, uh, realization that things aren't what they seem, but it's all at the edges Mm -hmm. or like in the matrix when there's deja vu. Yeah. Somehow the, the, the scenes are all in the mundane realities, Mm -hmm. not in what's right in front of you, which is designed to distract you Mm -hmm. and keep you preoccupied. Yes. But the the it's when you lose sight of that and just look in the corner or at the gum or the whatever. the ceiling fan or the you know the swinging street light or yeah something's off the cigarette the sunglasses yeah yes uh, but crucially what it, what you is uncovered isn't actually that hidden mm-hmm. it's merely what you all the facts you already had yes but forming a different picture yeah exactly. Like a, like a magic eye that mm-hmm. all of a sudden pops into view. Yeah. It's there. It's just like, how did I miss it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I do kind of like it. It's just maybe, maybe the way the dialogue is a little clunky. Sure. 
because they keep talking about clues and you got the clues and uh, you your your milk is getting warmer. I didn't mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, Mr. Police, you could have saved her. I gave you all the clues. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah, because he sees he, the answer is in his heart. Mm-hmm. He still doesn't know what to do. Yeah. So then he sees the bellboy. He should have just seen the bellboy. Yeah. I think it's obvious when he sees the bellboy. Oh, mm-hmm. he's the connection to the giant. Mm-hmm. They didn't need the bellboy to say something that's about you're getting warmer. Right. There's no actual milk. No. What's great about the bellboy in the Lynch episodes is that he's completely in our reality and mm-hmm. everything he's doing has meaning in our reality. Yes. But also in another reality. Yes. So yeah, anyway, uh, now we go to Ben's office mm-hmm. because there was that fox fur. Yes, which they think means something that it doesn't mean. Well, it, it gets really messy here. Yeah, I'm not sure about the timeline here because the way the actual episode is structured when Maddie dies, mm. I think we're meant to understand that her death is happening after. <clears throat> yes. Ben's arrest when they're all at the roadhouse together. And because that's when Cooper sees the giant and the elderly waiter again and tells mm-hmm. him, I'm so sorry. Yeah, exactly. And he and Bobby and um, Donna all have this common realization that something has happened. Yeah. it The, the details are getting away from the writers here in yeah. a way that they didn't really in the first season. Right. When we rewatched the first season, I was surprised at how tight it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, some some weird things here and there are loose ends, but considering the density of yeah. plot details, it was actually pretty well done. Mm-hmm. And now it, they're kind of flailing as they try to to get everything finished at the same time. They right. somehow they need Ben to still they need the clues to still point to Ben, even though he's been in prison uh, for a while. Yeah, I went. Back for to, a couple days. Went back to the scripts, and what Albert said was that that Maddie died between ten and midnight. Yes. And that they brought Ben in at midnight. Mm-hmm. Although I could have sworn it was daytime when they brought him in. Well, but it's hard to tell. They were inside the Great Northern. That's true. But Ben I th- was still up. I think maybe because there's a window of time, it could still work. Yeah. Um, like there's a two yeah, hour I think, window. I think we're supposed to understand that. Um, yeah, Maddie died maybe shortly after they brought Ben in. Um, exactly. Yeah, but it's it's a little bit and because Albert sloppy. doesn't because Albert can't pinpoint the exact time of death. There was yeah. some time. There was some time conceivably in that mm-hmm. two hour window, like where where Ben was not in custody, where he could have done it. Sure, but, but, it's all but it was probably just like a couple of minutes, so. Yeah, I don't know. It does. A, it's, it seems a bit sloppy. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, the other thread that they're having trouble with here is that Albert is getting res- blood, t- blood results mm-hmm. from Ben yeah. to see if it was Ben's blood mm-hmm. at, I don't actually know what they're testing, at yeah, the crime scene I'm, I'm or sure some something bloody uh, that they found in the boxcar, I guess. I don't remember. Yeah, it's... um. And in the script, yeah. 
in the script at this point when they're in Ben's office, Albert has the test results and he yeah. shows them to everyone, mm -hmm. which would mean that even though we just have these clues pointing to Ben, they immediately find out that it wasn't Ben. Yeah. I don't think that happened in the, I don't remember that happening yeah. in the film version. Right. Did they talk about the They talk results? about the test results later, later after they rule Ben out and after Cooper realizes it's Leland. Yeah, so that, that's the problem is it's kind of overdetermined mm -hmm. because the test results, I guess they don't tell them that it's Leland. Yeah. Because they're just testing against Ben at first. Yeah, they're not doing like DNA testing. It's just, I think, blood type. But it's just weird that they're still talking about it being Ben mm -hmm. when it's pretty obvious it's not Ben at this point. Yeah. But they had, they, they set up the fox fur. Uh -huh. They wanted that to pay off somehow. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. And then there's the big reveal. Mm -hmm. Yes. Cooper gets the accusing circle together at the roadhouse. It's very Poirot-esque. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. Just put everybody in a room and start pointing fingers. Yeah. And there's some lightning, mm -hmm. which is kind of Lynchian with the flashing lights. Oh, sure. But I did think that this scene was a little underwhelming. Yeah. So they bring in, well, Ben is already there. Mm -hmm. They bring Eating in. Nuts in a corner like a rat. <laughs> Richard Beimer is He's very good. funny in this yes. episode. He really is very good. Yeah. And then they bring in Leo. Mm -hmm. So I guess, and then, and then Leland is there. Yes. Um, and they, uh, so this means that Cooper definitely at least suspects Leland already. Yeah. Because there's really no other there. reason to bring Leland in. Right. He's, you know, obviously Leo is there because he's a potential suspect. Yes. Um, we know he was there on the night Laura died. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it's not clear why they asked Leland. And it's not clear whether they invited the elderly waiter, although he does show up. Yes. he's He flags down... Um, Major Briggs. Major Briggs. <laughs> mm -hmm. I had assumed that he was called to be there by Cooper, but I like yeah. your idea that he just knew he had to be there. I think maybe he just knew he had to be there. And also Major Briggs just drives around Twin Peaks like a Uber <laughs> for no money, just giving people rides. That's believable to me. Yeah, well, he's a stand-up guy. Yeah. And and also, you, he never knows like what cosmic event may be happening that requires him to give somebody a ride. Oh, exactly. He needs, yeah. to, he needs to be ready. Oh yeah, well, he's a blue rose guy. So yes, he, right. <laughs> he knows what's up. Uh -huh. um, yeah, so it's uh, and then Big Ed is there. Yeah, but I think he's just there to be a bookhouse boy, like in case shit goes down. Well, in the script, they, there's a little bit of dialogue that reveals that. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it was in the in the show. I missed it. Maybe if it was. Mm-hmm. I don't think... I just thought he he just showed up and there was no reason. Yeah. But he's there as backup in case anything goes down. I think he has so. to grab grab the true killer. Uh-huh. Uh but yeah, so everyone's there and and uh this is not the Tibetan method. This is something different. This is mm -hmm. magic. Yes. <laughs> Tried the Tibetan method. I feel like Cooper was a magic kid. Like a kid oh, who did for magic. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh so anyway uh but yeah there's really he doesn't seem to have any idea of what's going to happen he just has to bring everyone together and mm -hmm. 
something's going to happen. Yes. It's very interesting. It is underwhelming dramatically for me, mm-hmm. but I do like that it's different. It's not, it's not uh, mechanical. Mm-hmm. It's almost passive. Yeah. It's not like, uh, I, I don't know if to, to be stereotypical, it's more feminine than masculine as right. a way of yeah. solving in, the it's mystery. It's intuitive. Yeah. Yes. Um, because he just has to get everyone together and then mm-hmm. something's going to happen. And it has to be at the roadhouse, I guess, because that makes sense to me mm-hmm. that the roadhouse has been established as a liminal, a liminal space. Yeah. It's, it's a space where... Other or different worlds yeah. have access. Yeah, and, and different different worlds come together. Yeah, the walls are thin. Overlap. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then uh, he sets it up, and pretty quickly, uh, the the old man, the bellboy, offers Cooper some gum. Yep. And Leland says, "Oh, that's my very favorite gum." <laughs> also. I forgot to mention that we had one scene before this in this episode where Leland chewed some gum. Yeah, very menacing. Uh, yeah, but obviously they were like, oh, we have to establish that Leland chews gum. Right. Even though he's never he's been chewing never gum. He's never been chewing gum. <laughs> we forgot about that one little hint. So we got to mean something. Because otherwise, because no one says that. No one no. says, no, who has a favorite gum? People have favorite gums. Okay. It's a weird... It's, it's a just... weird thing to say, though. And then I just thought that all this great... These great non sequiturs that Lynch came up with, they didn't have to be... Mm-hmm. That's the thing. It is ultimately intuitive. Yeah. But because it's intuitive, I feel like they didn't have to mm-hmm. bring it back and have a character say it. Yeah. As if it was anything a character would ever say. That gum you like is coming back in style. But uh, I don't know. Maybe this is my jaundiced eye. Uh, maybe when people watch this in the original airing, they're like, yes, he said the line. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But I think they they bring the hammer down hard and harder than they really needed to. With like the freeze frame and the freeze you frame. Know, flashback to the man from another place. And they yeah. didn't need to do that. I think people would have got Because it. they're incorporating those elements, but it feels it doesn't feel very Lynchian. Right. Because when Lynch does these, he's always opening up new worlds. He's mm-hmm. never closing a door. Even when you exactly. want, when you really want him to close a door, mm-hmm. he's not going to do it. He's going to yeah. open three more doors. Yeah. But this is trying to close the door. Mm-hmm. He's saying, ah, now it all makes sense. Yeah. The bedroom makes sense. Yeah. Lynch never does this. He doesn't want things to make sense. Which made me wonder how involved he was with this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is, uh, I, I, maybe I could solve it with five minutes of Googling, but this is a mystery to me. Lynch always talks about, sometimes he says, I wasn't involved in the second season. Which we know is a lie because he directed some of the second season. Uh, Yes. And I believe he was pretty heavily involved, at least through the first seven. Yeah. I mean, because we know there are multiple stories of him on set during that time. Exactly. Um, Even in episodes when he wasn't directing. Yeah. But then in other interviews, he says, I I left after the killer was revealed, which would imply after episode seven. Right. But I think some people, when they talk about the show, they consider this one the one where it's officially revealed. Right. Yeah. So that, uh, yeah. So I'm not sure. Um, Mm -hmm. 
I had kind of assumed he was involved in, up till nine. Mm-hmm. But, we know this is Mark Frost's last. Yeah, because Mark, Mark Frost was still mm-hmm. here. But I think that there's enough enough elements here that seem off to me that make me think he was already yeah. at least in the process of checking out. Yeah, I think that's fair. Because uh, it just doesn't feel the the supernatural stuff here doesn't work for me. Yeah. Um, at any rate, uh, the gum saves the day. Yeah. It it sets off that chain of associations mm-hmm. where he remembers what he already knew. Yes. Um, which is oh, we didn't really talk about this. Mm-hmm. That Laura and him shared a dream. Yeah. Across time. Right. That's that's cool. why he needed to find that diary page because she yeah. talks about that dream yeah and i, I love that idea mm-hmm. that she had this dream in the past that mm-hmm. was his dream now yeah and that she she solves her own murder in a way mm-hmm. she tells tells cooper hey laura is the one exactly mm-hmm. he just has to access that right and and deprogram himself mm-hmm. Uh, and, and do some uh, culture culture jamming or something. <laughs> right. Right? Just read it up. Uh, read read a, a an issue of ad blockers. Yes. To learn. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, uh, so the, uh, he figures it out. Mm-hmm. So now there's they have a trick where they're bring. He says that we are arresting Ben Horn, arresting bringing ben Horn. him back to jail. But hey, Leland, you might want to come as his lawyer. And I, I think that works, mm-hmm. even though Leland hasn't been his lawyer. Yeah. You know, I can see him thinking, oh, sure. I'll... Well, and I can also see him thinking, I should keep an eye on yes. what's happening here. Yeah. So they leave the roadhouse, not before Cooper gives a nice thumbs up. Mm-hmm. I actually love this part. Yeah. Well, I really like the dynamic between those two actors. I think it's always very good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a great part of this mm-hmm. episode that I do like. Now... This yep. brings us back for the denouement mm-hmm. uh, at the sheriff's station. Yeah, where they—it uh, seems like they're about to put uh, to put Ben Horn in the cell. But they put Leland. They put Leland in, and he is a, immediately he is Bob. He's mm-hmm. no longer concerned. He realizes that the the jig is up, so yeah. he's Bob from now on. Yeah, he's not bothering cities yeah he's howling like an animal mm-hmm. he's beating at the walls he's very animalistic yeah he's like beating his head caged animal mm-hmm. and then a lot of really interesting things happen yes that we'll have to tease out um yeah a lot of lore gets hashed out here mm-hmm. in ways that are interesting and then i have mixed feelings about yeah so they have they have Leland captured, but they don't have enough evidence. Mm-hmm. Cooper thinks they can get a confession. Yes. And he's right because there's... Because Bob doesn't care about Leland's life. Yeah, exactly. And that's what Bob says, that he's getting tired of this vessel. Mm-hmm. He's got to shuffle off to Buffalo. Yeah. He, he just, he telegraphs, he calls a shot, basically. Mm-hmm. says... I'm going to kill this body, and then yeah. Leland's going to remember everything, but then he's going to die. Yeah. Um, but Cooper asks him point blank, you know, what does Leland remember anything? Mm-hmm. Or what does he know? Yeah. 
And Bob says that Leland is a babe in the woods. With a hole where his conscience used to be. It's so strange. Yeah. The implication is that Leland doesn't remember anything. Yeah, but... But it, but also that but... Leland doesn't have a conscience. Yeah. Yeah. It's like if Leland just disappears, if, if like Leland takes a back seat or goes to the second place or whatever. Yes. And why is it important that he doesn't have a conscience? I think that's something we really have to talk about that we've touched on in other episodes, but it's not unambiguous here. Is is it Bob or is it Leland? Yeah. Who did this? What Laura tells Cooper is my father killed me. Mm-hmm. She doesn't say Bob killed me. She doesn't say <clears throat> Bob and my father are the same. She doesn't say Bob is possessing my father and making him kill me or anything more complicated mm-hmm. than my father killed me. Yeah. And and before that, it's hinted that she's going to tell the world who Bob is. Yes. And again, that's not saying I'm going to tell the world who Bob is inhabiting. Yeah. But who Bob is. Yes. Bob is my dad. My mm-hmm. dad killed me. Right. Right. And certainly, yeah, she experiences them as one and the same. Mm-hmm. As does Maddie. Yeah. So, and, and uh, there's going to be more to talk about here as the scene unfolds. Mm-hmm. But uh, first, we got to go back to Andy and Lucy. Yeah. Awful. Should not have had the scene here, but maybe there's a reason that the scene is here. Yep. Because it's not just to revisit this wonderful sea story. No, it actually does affect things. Because Dick Tremaine lights a cigarette. And says, got a light. Got a light. Which, if you've seen the return, (laughs) is an ominous thing to say. And I know they didn't mean for that to be ominous. I don't know. So we we screamed out loud when he said got a light. I know. I had forgotten about that. Because, but then we're like, oh, that's funny. It yeah. wouldn't be funny, ha-ha, if yeah. Dick Tremaine was a large entity. Uh-huh. But then what happens? His, his his cigarette sets off the smoke alarm, which sets off the sprinkler. Yes. And what that means is that when Harry Truman is trying to get into Ben's cell... He slips and falls. He slips and falls, the keys. which gives Bob extra time to bang Leland's head against the wall and kill him. Exactly. Yeah. Also, Dick Tremaine. Tremond. Tremond. Dick Tremond. Yes. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> no, I mean, we're we're mostly joking here, but maybe we're not. It makes this it makes it a little more palatable. Maybe Dick Tremaine is also somebody like Bob who feeds off of human yeah. pain and suffering, which he creates by being really fucking annoying. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> He's another large entity that feeds off misery. Yes. But the way he does it is yeah. By being irritating. By being irritating. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it would explain a lot about him, why he doesn't have a personality. Yeah. Uh, other than uh, he's just he's grading and, mm-hmm. and is the worst in every possible way. Right. Uh, so anyway, that's our little theory. Uh-huh. Um, uh, but yeah, so that sets up this dramatic scene where the sprinkler goes off. Yes. Um, well, we do first we have a little dialogue with mm-hmm. uh, with Dale 
laying it all out. Yeah. And he says what the clues were. Mm-hmm. Which, like I said, they're not very satisfying. As yeah, clues. the dancing and the gum and the, you know, the the white hair. Yeah. It's like those, those weren't the clues. The clues no. were other things that yeah. are really common sense. But mm-hmm. um, and some of them they already knew, like that the letters are spelling Robert, which is yeah, not a clue right. that anyone did it. Uh-huh. It's not a, a clue in that sense. Yeah. Uh, but they they did know that Leland was one of the people who saw Bob as a child. Yeah, and they never really connected that to That's anything another, else. Well, maybe they should. Another have. real clue. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, Cooper lays out that he killed Maddie. Mm-hmm. And they it, he speculates as to why, which is interesting. That yeah. maybe Maddie was onto him, which is not true. No. Or that maybe he just wanted to relive the murder of Laura, which is partly true. But I think yeah. mostly it was the other idea which is that he didn't want maddie to leave yeah exactly so the sprinkler goes off yes and it's a beautiful effect mm-hmm. that adds a lot of uh, a lot of drama everything's more dramatic when people are wet yeah yeah that's what she said <laughs> no it's great it's like all the drama of a scene in the pouring rain but inside uh-huh. yeah and it, it does it, it does have it does serve some dramatic uh, purpose as we said mm-hmm. by giving bob time to kill leland but also it's it's mostly there just to be visually interesting and dynamic right uh and, and i think it's um maybe it acts as a kind of uh people have said this about the shower scene in psycho 2 that it comes after reckoning with a crime oh and, yeah yeah um, trying to either make amends or to confess it's it's baptismal yeah no you're right it yeah. is absolutely uh I, we're gonna dig into this mm-hmm. this idea that leland is being redeemed yeah because i'm not sure scene. how i feel about that yeah yeah yeah, so the sprinkler goes off. This was set up in a prior scene mm-hmm. because in a, one of the Andy and Lucy scenes, the sprinkler guy was there. Yeah, right. That prior scene. I thought you were going to talk about the cigarette again. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the sprinkler, well, it's kind of funny. Like, they don't, it, this is another thing that's overdetermined in the script. Mm-hmm. Like, I, the sprinkler guys were there, like, so it could have been a malfunction. Right. Instead of Dick Tremaine setting it off with his cigarette. Yes, but he's a lodge entity, so. <clears throat> yeah, it's a bit odd mm-hmm. that there were sort of two ways they wrote into the script to get here. But yeah. anyway, we saw the the guy working on the sprinkler system. Mm-hmm. And in the script, it says, it introduces this the sprinkler guy as the now familiar plumber, Zipper. Yeah, right. So he has a name. Uh-huh. His name that, is Zipper. That, that guy. And the writers thought we would recognize him and be like, oh, oh it's Zipper. Zipper. <laughs> a you're, beloved character. You're back again. <laughs> I just yeah. thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. That is funny. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, so the sprinkler is there and, uh, and it's Leland's death scene. Yeah. And he says a lot of interesting things Mm -hmm. here. He tells the whole story. Yeah. That he was a little boy Mm -hmm. when Bob entered him. Bob 
opened him and came inside him. It's it's very sexualized language, and I think that's deliberate. Deliberate think, to the point of they overdid it. Yeah, honestly, and I think you know it's it's something we can talk about more. We'll talk about it a lot when we do fire walk with me. But is Bob a metaphor or not? And I think you can definitely read it as Bob being mm -hmm. a metaphor for the sort of continuance of abuse within the family. Yeah. Um, and for the idea that Leland was maybe sexually abused when he was a child and it turned him into somebody who would sexually abuse his own child. Absolutely. I mean, I think, what do we know? Leland says he met Bob when he stayed with his grandparents. Um, but of course there's no record of a, of a Robertson or whoever um, living near them. Nobody knows who this guy is. And maybe it was one of his grandparents. Yeah, you mentioned that and it was interesting mm -hmm. to me because I had never thought that it that it would be one of his grandparents. Yeah. Um I assumed it was a neighbor. Uh-huh. It could it could still be a neighbor. And that hit but just that his name wasn't Robertson. Mm-hmm. Just because it was so associated with that, like, yeah. location. But when you put the, put it together yeah. with Laura saying that Bob was a friend of her father's, right. there's a distancing happening. And that's something yeah. that is relatively common when kids are abused within the family, is when they first disclose that something is happening, they'll say that it was somebody else who did it, that it yeah. was a stranger or a family friend or someone, anyone other than the family member. <clears throat> Yeah. So, yeah. So I think it's a real possibility, mm -hmm. uh, but still ambiguous. Yeah. Is what exactly happened? Mm -hmm. But I, I absolutely think the the sexual language that they use to talk about Bob possessing Leland is absolutely on purpose. Yeah, uh, they didn't have to. They, they didn't, didn't have, have to, to do say, it that way. Well, and also, I think it was enough to say he entered me or yeah. came and. Well, I don't know. It's, came it's, inside me is pretty blatant. Yeah, um, I, I, I almost would have wanted it to be a little more veiled than mm -hmm. that. Even right, I think we could get it anyway. Yes, even just saying it happened when I was a boy. I think that's already mm -hmm. yeah. And the idea that essentially what happened to him is what he was doing to Laura. It's yes. all there. Right. I think it is. So, yeah. And then he says that, that the, basically says that when Bob was there, he didn't know what was going on mm -hmm. or something. He, I should have grabbed this from the script, but basically he makes it seem like Bob sometimes there and sometimes not yes which is not doesn't really make sense with what we know now mm -hmm. or so far which is that bob is trapped in leland yeah so bob is not actually coming and going mm -hmm. yeah it's he doesn't have blackouts you know leland doesn't seem to yeah where he, he doesn't, just doesn't remember well that's what he says like he says mm -hmm. i don't that when he was gone i wouldn't remember yeah but and then but yeah. then he says that he made me do things yeah, well, and then the he does, says he doesn't remember, but that doesn't mean he didn't experience it. I guess it's mm -hmm. this is almost like an epistemological quandary. Sure. Like, did he have an experience that he was then wiped from his memory? Mm -hmm. 
or did he never experience it to begin with? Mm -hmm. I think it must be the former. Yeah. So how can you remember something you didn't experience? Right. That, and it also, to me, makes it less clean mm -hmm. than the idea that it's simply one or the other. Yeah. In this kind, which they kind of do, did with Mike, mm -hmm. that he's either Mike or Philip Gerard. Yeah. But um, I, I don't really like that for Leland. It doesn't yeah. really make sense with right. what we've seen. Right. I think the implication is much more that maybe Bob is making him do things, but Bob is, it's more like Bob is letting him do things. That there's some, uh, it's more symbiotic. And, yeah. Where they're both getting something out of this. Right. Maybe Bob is permitting Leland to do the terrible things that he ordinarily stops himself from doing. Yeah. Well, and that it's, there's no clean distinction at mm -hmm. a certain point. Yeah. Um, Bob is the other, but then is integrating into your actual desires. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. your hidden desires or repressed desires or whatever. Uh, and then, and then also changing his desires. Right. And and then Bob is also adapting to, to Leland. Mm -hmm. Maybe Bob and a different person does different, does different crimes. I don't know. Yeah. No, I think so. Um, I mean, yeah. Cause again, I mean, we talked about this, like that the, uh, this, Killing Maddie doesn't seem to make sense for Bob. Mm -hmm. Bob is has been living, uh, you know, in a in hiding for so long, and right. then he does something really reckless. Yeah. It seems more attached to Leland's emotions about not being able to let go of Laura. And when we see Bob in other people later in the series, both in season two and then in the return, Bob doesn't act like <clears throat> Leland. Like. No. Bob Cooper doesn't act like Leland. He doesn't sing and dance. He doesn't settle down with one family and abuse a small group of people for years and years. Yes. Although I think there may be other reasons for that. No, of course there are. Yeah, of course. That. But um, it, it's a different situation. But, but that's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yes. That. Yeah. And I think it's, you can't really draw a clean distinction. And mm -hmm. sometimes at this dialogue it seems like they're trying to do that yeah but also the dialogue is it doesn't really is a little inconsistent yeah as well uh -huh. i don't know what to make of that um and fire walk with me complicates it further because mm -hmm. for example it was it bob who was visiting Teresa banks as a sex worker or was mm -hmm. that Leland? it seems like it must have been leland yeah and then that makes it seem more likely, likely that it was Leland that killed Teresa Banks. Right. But then also he planted the letters, so mm -hmm. Bob was involved. So, yeah. Uh, or there's a scene where Leland is uh, checking uh, Laura's fingernails, mm -hmm. which again ties with Bob's letters under the fingernails, yeah. but is, is not it's not done as if he's Bob. It's no. It's like a father's protective, yeah, pseudo jealous. Right, and and though know. in that scene, both Laura and Sarah are very disturbed by the way he's acting. They, you can tell they recognize it. This is yeah. This is a version of Leland that they've seen before, and they don't like him, but they they've seen it. Yeah, and do we even know what Leland is like without Bob? Yeah, we I don't. Get, we don't. 
again, going back to the dancing, mm-hmm. like that is clear that for these characters, that's uh, just a longstanding part of that's Leland getting back to normal of Leland's personality yeah. that they all know and love. Uh-huh. That's the Leland that they know. Yeah. So is there even a Leland without Bob? Yeah. If he, if his whole personality since he was a child right. is integrated with this demon mm-hmm. and he's living this double life. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, um, and again, that goes back to the idea of Bob as a kind of manifestation of, <clears throat> I don't know, inherited trauma yes. of abuse within the family. Leland was an abused child who was damaged so profoundly by what happened to him that it really rewired his brain. And that's what trauma can do to you, especially when it happens when you're very young. To the extent that, yeah, maybe maybe there is no Leland without this part of him there. And that's what he says about Lara being strong and stronger than him. Yeah. That she refused to let that happen to her. Right. Um, yeah, he says they wanted Laura. Mm-hmm. They wanted her, but she was strong. She fought them. She wouldn't let them in. Yeah. He says, they made me kill that girl, Teresa, which is mm. contradicting what I just said. Yeah. They said, if I didn't give Laura to them, they'd make me kill her too. But this is also a little inconsistent. Like, yeah. is he blacking out or is he having conversations with Rajan in these? Yeah, where they're saying, okay, now you got to do this. Yeah. Uh, and also, it's weird that it's a they, mm-hmm. which is actually more, that's actually more consistent with Fire Walk With Me and right. Return mm-hmm. than with the Lynch-directed episode so far where Bob was, according to Mike, Bob is kind of like a free agent. Right. But this is suggesting a greater mythology where Bob is maybe working for someone else. Or... Yeah, it's, um, and what Mike says in this episode about when he and Bob worked together and it, it was like a perfect circle of, um, you know, appetite and satisfaction. It's like maybe the way Bob used to be was part of some sort of system that was functional, if not nice. Yeah. But it's when Bob broke free of that arrangement that Bob causes all of this trouble. That's really interesting. Yeah. But when did that happen? Did that happen... I guess if they were working together and then Bob entered Leland, maybe Mm -hmm. like how long has Mike been chasing Bob? Yeah. For 40 years? Yeah. Could be. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. It's an interesting idea. Uh, Yeah. That there's some kind of balance among the lodge entities. Mm -hmm. They're not necessarily evil, but then how does it work? Because according to Mike, Bob, it's a parasite feeding on misery. Right. But um, I don't know. Parasites can have sort of symbiotic relationships with their hosts. Right. Where maybe both benefit or at least both are maintained and kept alive. Because the parasite needs the host to stay alive. And... Yeah. Um, continue to be a host and maybe when bob is a free agent he just uses people up 
that that makes sense mm -hmm. but then it then the lodginities would still be i think pretty definitively evil yeah absolutely but just like self-sustaining evil mm -hmm. which would make mike seem less like a good guy and more like someone who's working for the lodge which we've speculated about well and we can talk about this when we get to the return in the episode where it's very I mean, it's more than implied that Bob was sort of created or at least released into the world by the atomic bomb. Maybe the Lodge entities are more like the forces of evil and war and destruction before the atomic bomb. And Mike is, or Bob, I'm sorry, is um, this chaotic escalation that nobody can control. I don't Even know, then. because it's after the bomb that we see the convenience store. And the... Yeah. I know, I know. I don't know. The woodsman. Uh, mm. I know we're doing what really we shouldn't be doing. Yeah, which is, just ignore this. Uh, but I think what we, yeah, the, the problem is that the thematic issues, which are what is really important, are a little confused and muddled here. Yeah. Um, but that there is... Uh, this is this bit of dialogue, even though it's confusing, it is kind mm -hmm. of setting up Laura and it is setting up like the cosmic struggle mm -hmm. aspect of it. Yes. And I think it's that that has something to do, yeah, with like multiple forces of evil mm -hmm. and multiple forces of good. And it's kind of ambiguous who is who. Yeah. Um, Bob is definitely evil, the giant's definitely good. Mm -hmm. Mike is a little ambiguous. Yeah. But probably good yeah the one-armed man is um ambiguous. ambiguous the man from another place i'm sorry is ambiguous but yeah mm -hmm. but maybe bad because yeah. he's the arm that got cut off right um and then mrs tremont yeah it's, it's <laughs> very it's very unclear at this point so it's interesting and then there's also the question of whether we could even trust leland mm -hmm. because leland is supposedly feeling all this guilt yes and wouldn't he then be biased and want to obscure his culpability right and i mean what does he say about laura he says i loved her with all my heart mm -hmm. which i'm sure he believes that when he says it but it's also what just about every man says about laura yeah you know bobby said it um ben said it i think dr jacoby said it um and what did their love give laura nothing um they were just people who used her when they needed her and then didn't help her yes yeah it's like they want us to believe that there was something good and pure still inside of leland mm -hmm. hidden and buried yeah but I'm just not sure that quite tracks I think it's, the idea that he's been inhabited by a demon since he was a child. And I think, yeah, like, like you kind of said, the dialogue is sort of at war with itself in this scene in terms of what it wants to convey. You know, I think the fact that they make sure to mention that Lara was too strong for these entities, whatever they were, and that she fought them off. Yeah. It highlights the fact that Leland didn't do that. Even if there is a clear separation between him and the entity taking him over, he was weak. And he, yeah. in maybe some ways, allowed that entity to rule him. And that wasn't, that wasn't yeah. inherent and automatic. There was somebody who could fight them off. Laura could fight them off. So why couldn't he? 
Yeah, I agree that the dialogue is at war with itself. Um, yeah. Because then he he says, he feels, uh, he asks for forgiveness. God have mercy on me. What have I done? What have mm -hmm. I done? I love her. I loved her with all my heart. It's like the good in him is now able to come out. Mm -hmm. And then, um, then Cooper <laughs> tries to direct him into the light. Yes. And there's this little bit that I think I read was from the Tibetan book. Of the right, Dead. I think so. Um, it's very Buddhist because mm -hmm. there's a void and cloudless sky and naked spotless intellect, like a transparent vacuum. Yeah, and do we do we believe this? Well, you're right. And yeah, so the, the Tibetan Book of the Dead, as I understand it, is that is like a way of guiding people who are dying um, through some of the uh, intermediate realms mm -hmm. that you can get stuck in. Yes. Um, so Cooper's trying to guide Leland into something I don't know if it's Nirvana because it's the light, but mm -hmm. then Cooper, but then Leland sees Laura. Yeah. She's happy. Mm -hmm. And I think the implication is that he goes to where she is. Yes. And I think that's troubling. <laughs> I absolutely think it's troubling. I mean, what Cooper is attempting to guide Leland towards, it's a sort of, I think void is the wrong word. Well, that's the word he uses. Well, he, he uses the word void, fine. But, but I, it's, I think it's, the uh, way we in the West sort of traditionally think about the void is the wrong way to think about yes. it. It's, it's not like a nihilistic kind of um, destruction of the self that is to be feared. It's yeah. um, more becoming one with everything and losing your attachments to yeah. the material world and your material desires. Um, and the fact that Leland sees Lara means that he hasn't lost those attachments. Yeah, exactly. That that's, um, he's still fixated. This is maybe her. a demonic apparition that mm -hmm. is there to tempt him. Yeah. And it's, it's the false Buddha that you see on the road on the way to enlightenment. Yes. That he doesn't see the light. Mm -hmm. He sees Laura. Yeah. And he sees her happy. Yeah. And that does kind of uh, reflect the end of Fire Walk with Me, but I'm not sure that he gets to see her that way. Yeah. Because not, not in the film. Or, or that he should, like, that. I, or he, that he should get to. Yeah. That he, because that gives him. That gives that lets him off the hook somehow. That he's like, ah, all's well that ends well. Yeah. Um, and it's it's troubling the implication that even if Leland deserves forgiveness, does that mean that Lara is the one responsible for giving it to him? Yes. Yeah. Which, and I, she doesn't really. But I guess you could maybe read it that way. That she's that it's like her, like being reunited. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, obviously we're troubled by this, but also the, the, um, the whole, the totality of, of the fictional world mm -hmm. of Twin Peaks also 
means that it's not so cut and dried mm -hmm. because in the return we see who's what looks like Leland in the red room. Mm -hmm. And he yes. says, I didn't kill anyone. Yes. And if that's Leland and he's in the red room, it might suggest that Leland did not make it to yeah. heaven or Nirvana. Mm -hmm. He got stuck. Yes. And I like that a little more because uh, this goes back to the idea that this whole scene is a redemption. Right. Right. And the first time I saw this, I liked it mm -hmm. because I thought, you know, we so much of the show is about Laura finding out who, who her killer is. And then once we find out who the killer is, all of a sudden mm -hmm. the show becomes interested or invested in sympathizing with her killer. Yes. And giving him redemption. Mm -hmm. And I when I first saw it, I liked that because yeah. I thought that's interesting. That's a bold choice. Mm -hmm. That's a bold choice. Yeah. But I don't know. The older I get, the more it seems like it's cheap and unearned. Yeah. And um, the more it seems like they're just trying to paper over the implications of what actually happened. Yes. I mean, it's similar to the fact that they completely rush over any resolution or any attempt to deal with what Ben did or almost did. Yeah, Audrey, exactly. They, they raised the specter of child abuse and incest and then say, but it didn't really happen. Yeah. Like it's, there's a difference between redeeming Leland and implying that Leland didn't need to be redeemed because it wasn't really him. It, yes. I mean, it is a redemption implying yeah. that he needed to be redeemed, mm -hmm. but because of, yeah, the, the whole framework of it's either Bob or it's him and yeah. he didn't remember it. Mm -hmm. It's kind of loading the stacking the deck a yeah. little bit. Right. Um, but also even, you know, so, okay. All of a sudden he feels bad mm -hmm. and he's sorry. Yeah. Um, and I'm not saying I'm not saying that I that Leland needs to burn in hell forever for what he did. No. And I I'm not saying that we shouldn't have any sympathy for him. No. If he was a victim. Right. But I think that you can believe that someone. This I guess is just rubbing up against my own moral mm -hmm. values, which is that I believe that you can be responsible, morally culpable for things, mm -hmm. even if in a kind of metaphysical sense, you're not, it was all predetermined. Yeah. Or even if you were warped by, you know, in other words, there's an explanation for what Leland did and maybe there, but for the grace of God go I, yeah. but you can still, he's still, it's not a justification mm -hmm. and there's still some kind of moral, stain yes. that you know even if we're framing it in, in buddhist terms mm -hmm. with this tibetan quote yeah in buddhist terms i don't think you do what leland did and get to go to nirvana or the pure land he would definitely have some shit to work out some and, karma to work out and I, what, what i keep thinking is that even if leland does get to go to nirvana or does get to go to the pure land I, i'm kind of offended honestly by the implication that it's laura's job to welcome him there 
And I think this is where a lot of discourse around abuse and redemption gets tripped up is that if anybody, I think what we all know, but we don't always say is that every right creates an obligation somewhere else. And if Leland has a right to compassion and redemption and forgiveness, that means it's someone else's responsibility to give it to him. And whose responsibility is it? And what this seems to be saying is that, well, it's Lara's job. And because Lara is good, Lara would forgive Leland. And I just don't really see that yeah. as just. No. And because it, what yeah. happened really happened. Exactly. And they can't, the bell can't be unrung. That trauma can't be taken away just from him being sorry. And, and you can even believe that, well, Leland might have been abused too. Leland wasn't in control of what he was doing. But it was Leland's face that Lara saw when she was being raped and murdered. Yeah. And you can't unsee that. Yeah, it has to be meaningful that it happened through him. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, it's... Why is it so horrible? Yeah, right. Uh, yeah, I, to be fair, they don't say that she forgave him. No, I, they say can, that he sees it. You and... can read it that way, but look, there is a little, there's some room for interpretation, luckily, because that's, yeah, truly yeah. offensive. And, and uh, yeah, if, if Leland has a path to salvation, I think it would have to, it would, it would have to take him away from Laura. That he would that's, have to it, give absolutely. up. Absolutely, that's exactly what it is. It, it would have to take him away from any feeling that she owes him anything and that he even deserves a relationship with her. Yeah, that he has to give that. He, he can no longer, his being made whole will never be, I'm I'm reunited with my daughter yeah. and she forgives me. Yeah. It's gotta, he has to, that has to be what he lets go in the bardo or mm -hmm. whatever. Yep. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Another way that I thought of this scene is that it's a very American Protestant view of redemption. Yeah. Because it's atonement without penitence. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's just because, no, that's exactly right. Because it's just about accepting a truth. And then once you accept that truth, then you're bold. Yeah. And he feels bad. Yeah. Uh, but he's genuine. Mm -hmm. He just feels genuinely bad. And, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's like it doesn't feel right to me that there yeah. needs to be. It's not Catholic at all something else uh that yeah that he has to give up or go through yeah this is the kind of thing that you really ought to be paying for for the rest of your life and i know like i was raised catholic and i know that makes me insane in all kinds of ways that protestants can't even imagine but um i really do believe that that if you're a parent who does this to your child that's not something that you can come back from very easily at all certainly not through a few minutes of accepting a truth and feeling bad well but since the catholic church did away with purgatory yes and of course the catholic church is uh one of the world experts in horrifically abusing children yeah <laughs> right <laughs> uh yeah so, that, so and they, they should pay for it that's my whole point so they know uh yeah. that, that, but yeah so i'm um, actually i it, it's the same thing with Catholicism now, mm -hmm. which is that if someone, you know, what, uh, can you have a deathbed conversion, basically? Yeah. yeah. The answer is yes. But it used to be 
and this makes more sense, I think. You weren't going right to heaven. Yeah, that you you could get into this middle point, which mm-hmm. is almost more Buddhist. Yeah. It's a bardo or something mm-hmm. where something else has to happen to yeah, you. Yeah, you have to climb up the hill. Yeah, and then maybe people can help you along, like mm-hmm. by praying for you. Or, or by buying an indulgence. <laughs> yes. It all makes sense. Uh, our saints can help you out. Sure. Yeah. So it's, and, and the thing is, Twin Peaks has all these uh, other realms mm-hmm. that would allow for something like this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I would prefer to believe that Leland winds up in a middle state mm-hmm. and maybe he can, maybe he can cross over or not, but it, I don't like the idea that just by feeling bad yeah. <laughs> for a few moments, mm-hmm. it's all wiped away in this dramatic cleansing. Yeah. Uh, and also, yeah, more broadly, what rows me the wrong way is that so much of the show is centered on Laura. Yeah. And we've said the show never takes the focus away from Laura. But mm-hmm. this is one exception where all of a sudden... Laura is a tool the in culmination story. Yeah, yeah, the culmination of this whole story is that Leland is important. Now we Mm -hmm. have to sympathize with Leland and make sure that he gets redeemed. Yes. And that Laura is just something necessary for that to happen, which is also offensive in its way. It's like Laura, the crime that was committed against her is also something that is now part of Leland's story instead of hers. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think, yeah, I don't know what changed, but this doesn't work for me anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the only way it works for me is if I believe that Leland doesn't really see what he thinks he's seeing. That it's it's an illusion of his own, either vanity or his own desires. I, I don't believe that he is really seeing Laura welcoming him to the afterlife. No, uh, you know, yeah. and the, the return kind of helps with that interpretation yeah, as does. well. Um, and then also, t- I have to believe that the delineation is not as clear. Yeah, I, I believe that too. And, and I think that is expressed in the conversation we see the, the dudes have afterwards, which we should talk about a little bit. Uh, yeah, well, when we do that. Okay. Because they they express different interpretations of what is going on. Harry, uh, the simple one, um, has the simplest interpretation, which is just that Leland is insane. Yes. Um, Leland had some sort of psychotic break that makes him believe that he is somebody else and that maybe means he's not in control of his actions and that's what caused all of this stuff to happen. Um, Cooper, interestingly, has another pretty simple interpretation, which is also in some ways troubling in regards to what does it reveal about how Cooper sees the world. But, um, but he says, is it more believable to think that a man would rape and murder his own daughter? Is that more comforting? And the way he equates those two things, believable and comforting, is really interesting. Is it... Does something have to be comforting to him to be believable? Yeah, well, it's just what we've been saying this whole time, mm-hmm. which is that he can't believe it because it's not comforting. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
but be, yeah, it's like, in what sense is it not believable? It, because it's certainly something that happens all the time. Mm -hmm. Therefore, it is a true fact that we all know that this can happen. Yeah. And so it's not hard to believe in the way that like faith is hard to believe. Right. Um, it's hard to believe because we don't want to believe it. Mm -hmm. That's all that he means. Yes. Which is that we just can't believe it. Mm -hmm. But it, I, I thought, well, if if you were had been able to believe it, you would have solved the murder a lot faster. Yeah, if this was part of the catalog of things that you believed happened in the world, you would have looked at Leland before anybody. Yes, and prevented Maddie's death. Yes. So yeah, I think this just highlights that there was this that mental block. Mm -hmm. Um that they couldn't get past. Yeah. And it's framed as a more like a moral thing, like your sense of morality is so shocked by it that you mm -hmm. can't believe it. But yeah. I also think it's all the all the same things we've been saying that you can't believe that a father would do this to a daughter, not just because it's horrible, but because um society requires us to believe that that children are safest with their parents. And that, yeah. Yeah. That the reproduction of society through the family unit is a good thing. Mm -hmm. It has to be. Otherwise, everything would fall apart. Yes. And what does Major Briggs say? I'm forgetting his exact words. <clears throat> uh, he quotes Hamlet. Yeah. Yes. There are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophy. Yes. Well, um, because Major Briggs is somebody who is obviously on his own journey and um, yeah. he's comfortable with ambiguity in a way that some of these other characters aren't. Yes. Yeah, that's maybe the most Lynchian explanation, mm -hmm. which is there are things we don't know. Yeah. And also he's not taking a side and... Right was uh, i mean you, you could interpret it as he's taking the side of it could have been supernatural yeah but he's also taking the side of saying we don't know what happens in other people's homes right you know we don't know what goes on in other families when we don't see it but all kinds of things can go on that's true all kinds of things are possible when there are human beings they are capable of anything yes or yeah or do we even know the difference between supernatural and natural? Exactly. Do we even know enough to make this distinction? Mm -hmm. Is it possible that the truth encompasses both in a way that we can't comprehend? And that's kind of what Albert says, that Bob is just the name for the evil that men do. That maybe there are things that are so terrible that they break the world in a way that seems supernatural but they really are mundane. But that doesn't mean that they're not world-breaking events. Right, yeah. And you get the sense that this was the closest the writers came to saying what their view was. Mm -hmm. That, yeah, this is a metaphor. Right. Um, kind of lampshading it, because mm -hmm. then they very cleverly 
pull back and say, no, no, it does matter yeah. because Bob is out there. Bob is out there. Yeah. The story has, you know, this is a metaphor, but it's also a TV show. So mm -hmm. the show has to go on. There has to be a, a discreet demon that we can hunt down. Yeah. For there to be than, any interest in the continuing show, there has to be a, like a big, a big bad out there in the woods. Yeah. Strike again. There can't just be a, an abstraction or, um, a structural <laughs> like the shows can't be about like mm -hmm. um passing a 15 dollars minimum wage now or something no, like right right it can't it can't be about um all of the workers at the former lumber mill uh forming a union and protesting the sale of the land or something right yeah it's it's a show about that is a it, the the logic of the show requires the metaphor to stay a metaphor. Yeah, yeah, and that's fine. Mm -hmm. um, I think so. But the idea that yeah, it, but they're kind of tipping their their hand a little, uh, showing their hand a little, I mm -hmm. guess, um, and saying yeah, you can, if you want to just say this is a metaphor, then that's fine. I, this this whole uh, colloquy. Mm -hmm. It's another thing that I, I didn't like as much this time. Yeah. Because it almost seemed apologetic. Like they right. were like, okay, this is this is crazy. Mm -hmm. And we don't know if the audience is going to go along with it. So we have to let the characters try to process it and digest it a little bit and mm -hmm. throw out some ideas that will make it easier for people to accept. Like right. maybe he's just crazy or maybe... It's like they're setting up a water cooler conversation yeah. about the episode that's true <laughs> within the episode yes. like they're saying you know so poll your friends what do you think happened <laughs> do you think it was really bob or do you think it was leland going crazy or a mix of both yeah right in to tell us there, it would be a tweet that said that right. these days mm -hmm. an online poll mm -hmm. uh but yeah and i didn't think that it necessarily needed to be said, hey, what if this is a metaphor? Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe that's just because I'm so used to the story now. Sure. But the idea that, I mean, in a way, none of this is really satisfactory. To say that Bob is the evil that men do mm -hmm. is so vague. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess if we're looking at a specific concrete evil, well, I think what the yeah. idea that it's something incomprehensible that a, a father could do this to his daughter yeah. and Bob is standing in for mm -hmm. that. Well, I think that is maybe inside of what Harry, um, not Harry, Albert is saying in that he isn't saying what Harry is saying, which is that it's incomprehensible because it's psychosis, <clears throat> right? you know, because it's just somebody who cracked and that made him act in violent and irrational ways. What Albert is saying is that he's just a man, and this is the kind of thing that men do sometimes. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That still makes Leland responsible. Harry's explanation does not make Leland responsible. It's not supernatural, but it does preserve Harry's idea of Twin Peaks as a place where this just doesn't happen. It's still an aberration to Harry. Whereas to yeah. Albert, he's saying, no, this is, this is the world. This is an aspect of the world. Yes. That people do bad things. Yes. And we can 
if we if it helps us understand it, we can put a face on it mm-hmm. and personify it. Yes. Uh, and maybe that's what Laura did. Maybe mm-hmm. that's what Leland did. Yeah. You know, you could interpret Bob uh, in Fire Walk with Me as Laura's way of screening or repressing the yeah. truth. Mm-hmm. It could be the way that Leland makes sense of it to himself. Yeah. You know, and the way that um, in in Lost Highway, Bill uh, Pullen's character. Mm-hmm just like can't deal with his own his own guilt or in Mulholland Drive yes arguably exactly yeah that these are characters that have create have recreated reality Mm -hmm. uh remember the past the way they they want to remember it yeah or whatever Mm -hmm. um and and by extension it's Bob is the way is a kind of collective lie the way we're always lying yeah to ourselves and to each other mm-hmm. and obfuscating yeah and suppressing yeah and he stands in for any of that mm-hmm. i mean in the return when it's implied that bob was born out of the atomic bomb the atomic bomb wasn't supernatural we did that exactly yeah yeah and and i like the idea that bob is more of a an ambient force like mm-hmm. the fact that that Leland was howling yeah or like barking almost mm-hmm. and that reminded me of when uh when Bobby yeah and and Mike mm-hmm. are in the prison cell in the pilot yes and isn't it interesting that those are the names they picked I know and then that makes it more like yeah, if, if Bob is the evil that men do, then like to the extent that Bobby was on the precipice, mm-hmm. he was being uh, being possessed. Yeah. Or he was being entered mm-hmm. in some way at that point, but yeah. then his life took another direction. Yes. Um, and that that but that would have been Bob as well. Yeah. And well, all, somebody yeah. loved Bobby in the way that nobody really loved Laura. Right. Yeah, and then our love matters, mm-hmm. and our decisions matter. Yeah, not and not just to us. Yeah, it's cause, yeah, because yeah, it's more. It's not like a discreet guy running around causing mm-hmm. all the evil in the world. Mm-hmm. You know, who has uh, horns and a pitchfork. Sure. It's more like a system of pressures, or mm-hmm. um, yeah, like an atmospheric condition. Right. And every all the little movements are combining every day yes and pushing in different directions and you know a certain like when when the forces of evil are too concentrated and in one direction then you get like a bob Mm -hmm. but he's not the only one yeah and and also all of the all the other bad in Twin Peaks and the bad things that Ben Horn does, yeah. you know, those are also Bob, but they're like, I don't know, they're like ambient, low-level Bob. Right. It's it's the difference between what Leland did to Lara and what Ben almost did to Audrey. It's, um, yeah, it's it's the same thing. It's literally the same thing, but at a lower level. It's just on the edge rather than the thing itself. And it's less focused. Exactly. 
Yeah, but but a lot of that focus, it's like the what all the town is doing is allowing it to focus. Mm -hmm. So the town becomes like this magnifying glass yeah. <laughs> that allows Bob to be this concentrated evil. Right. But he needed he needed twin Bob needed Twin Peaks. Yes. He and, liked it there. And Twin Peaks needed Bob mm -hmm. to uh, do all of the sketchy legal work. Right. Ben needed Bob. Yep. Yeah. So did we did we answer the question of is it Leland or is it Bob? I don't think we did, but I think there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in our philosophy. So maybe it's okay, mm -hmm. but we don't know. That's the lesson that it's okay if we don't know. Yeah. And do we even know what a person is and what makes two people distinct? Exactly. That's more of a question for the return. Yeah, I think so. All right. Well, I think that should do it. I think so. So our next episode is going to be a sort of reflection and summing up and um, analysis of this half of the season as a whole, much like the one we did after season one. And uh, after that, we'll take a few more weeks off before we get into the rest of season two, which is not something that contains quite as high of highs, but uh, there's some good stuff there. So. Would you believe that we're only a little more than halfway through yeah. the original, the entire original run? Yeah. I used to always think that this was basically half. Mm -hmm. It's almost like dividing the original run into thirds. I know. I know. But in fact, there are 30 episodes yeah. of the original run. Yeah. And this is nine plus the first eight, mm -hmm. which is 17. Yeah. So really, there's a lot left. There's a lot left. Much of it is not good, but we're still going to cover it. Yes. Yes. So get ready. We're going to talk about Josie going into the drawer knob. It'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> okay. We wish you nothing but the very best in all things. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening. We are expecting to release new episodes of It's Not About the Bunny every two weeks. So if you like what you've heard and you want to keep listening, please subscribe uh, wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a nice rating and review. If you don't like what you're hearing, that's cool, but please, please keep it to yourself. Bye. Yeah.
Shovel up, buffalo, shovel up, buffalo, shovel up. 